Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy to be won. Good evening and welcome to our Pleasant Hill Lifeline service this evening. Wednesday on May the 10th. What a wonderful opportunity to be with you again online. And we thank you so very much for taking time to tune in and watch or listen to this uh, message, this Bible study, as we're going to be diving into part three, the final part in chapter two in our study in Ruth on in, uh, keys to inviting God to work through you. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at part three. We've looked at the first two parts, the first two keys in the previous weeks. And so we're going to turn in our Bible again to Ruth chapter two. Ruth chapter two, and we're going to begin reading in verse 18 in just a moment. Of course, I want to remind you uh, that we do our Lifeline Bible study, and it's posted and up on Wednesday evening by 8 o'clock p.m., uh, we have this up for you to view. Sometimes it's up earlier than that, but we record this earlier and uh, allow you to watch it. We also invite you to come and join us at 6 o'clock for our DIG Bible study, Digging in with God, Bible study and prayer time here in person on Wednesday night at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. And of course, also at 7 o'clock, we have our youth hangouts down in the fellowship hall. And we're looking forward to another wonderful evening of that tonight. Uh, also, of course, in person on Sunday, we have Sunday morning uh, small group Bible study at uh, Sunday school at 945 and then our morning worship at 1045. Some exciting new things taking place at Pleasant Hill and we're excited to be part of what God is doing here and we invite you to be part of it. Uh, we will go ahead and turn, if you would, to Ruth chapter 2 again. And we're going to begin reading in verse 18, and then following that, uh, we will pray. But if you found your place in Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 18, let's read from 18 till the end of the chapter. And she, being Ruth, took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw that what she had gleaned. Now she took the, the wheat in, or the barley that she took with her, that she had gotten in the field. And she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said to her, The man is near of kin to us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He saith unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet not that they meet thee not in any other field. And so she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz, 
to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and of the wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. I want to bring this message to you, keys to inviting God to work through you. And this is part three in the final part of this mini-series in the book of Ruth. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see these keys to inviting you to work in and through us. God, we thank you for the time that we're able to spend reading your word, the time we're able to spend sharing your word. God, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you for your, you being our supply. And God, we thank you for how you are just gracious and merciful to us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this account of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. Help us, I pray, to invite you to work through us. Invite us to live a life of hope. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we've been looking at the keys to inviting God to work through you and through me. And we've been looking in the, in the chapter 2 of Ruth. And in key number 1 we saw was in, to inviting God to work through you is learning to live by faith. And Ruth had stepped out in faith in gleaning, going to glean in the fields. Just as we must step out and live by faith. It's significant that, uh, that, that Naomi's husband and Naomi and their two sons did not live by faith when they went into Moab, but now Ruth by faith is going to understand the instructions and the commands that were given by God to the Israelites for the care of the widows and the poor and the uh, foreigners. And so therefore she steps out believing that the people will do what God has instructed them to do and that God will take care of her, and she goes out looking to find grace in somebody's eyes, and that leads us to key number two, which is we must learn to embrace God's grace. And we saw that last Wednesday when we talked about the fact that she found the channel of God's grace in Boaz. God displayed grace on her all along the way, really, in even meeting Naomi, going back with Naomi, and then she believed in Naomi's God, and she adopted Naomi's people, and here she was now following God's instructions and by living by faith, and she meets a channel of God's grace named Boaz. God uses many channels of grace in our lives, and he may use parents, he may use grandparents, he may use a neighbor, he may use a job, he may use any number of things to display his grace and, and to provide grace in your life. But the channel of grace for Ruth was a man named Boaz. He was a godly man. He was a man that feared the Lord. Even in the time of great uh, wickedness, even in the time of where people did what seemed good in their own eyes, there still is people, still are people, that follow after God. And in today's world, there are still people that are faithful to God and who want to please God and who want to serve God. Never forget that. God will always have his people doing his work and you and I ought to work and invite God to be part of what God is doing, inviting him to work through us. But we have to embrace his grace, meaning we have to be upon faith and be looking for grace. Then God shows us grace in all kinds of different ways. We must embrace that. Don't let pride get in the way. Don't let uh, some, some kind of self-confidence get in the way. But trust in God by faith 
and then put your hands and your feet to the work in stepping out and finding God's grace. Since we saw that last week, Ruth steps out into the fields and she finds uh, God does provide through Boaz. She finds this channel of grace in Boaz. And we saw that, and I just want you to see also the picture of how this channel of Boaz is a picture of Christ in the church. And so I remind you that just that Boaz first took interest in Ruth and God first took notice of us. And then we also saw, number two, that Boaz first spoke to Ruth. And God, it is God who first approached you and me. We also saw, number three, that Boaz promises to protect and provide for Ruth. And we see that it is God who protects and provides for you and for me. Four, last week, we saw that Boaz encouraged Ruth. And we find that it is God today through his word and through his Holy Spirit and through his channels of grace that he encourages us. And Boaz certainly saw, as we saw in this first verse here, that she was satisfied just as God is our satisfaction and he provides all that we need and more. So we saw God's grace in action. But the key was that Ruth stepped out on faith, looking for grace, then embraced the grace that God bestowed upon her, and we must do the same. Keys one and keys two, stepping out on faith, living by faith, embracing the grace that God provides. And now in verse 17 to 23, we find the third key to inviting God to work in our lives. Key number three, we must live in hope. We must live in hope. We must live by faith. We must embrace God's grace, but we also are to be filled with hope and with joy. And it is the hope that God is going to use us, the hope that God will use us, the hope that God will strengthen us, the hope that God will provide opportunities for us. We see that Ruth was used in God's plan, but she did certain steps to, be, to invite him, and one is she believed that God was not done using her, and so she continued to pursue by faith and embracing God's grace all day long. Ruth worked in the field. In our passage, Ruth just had just come home. She had worked all day long in the field with a happy and a hopeful heart. We also found that Ruth's hope uh, and joy uh, was infectious. Now we see that because we see Naomi has a change of attitude. I want you to see that right now, that her joy, her hope, her happiness was infectious. She was happy, she was joyful, she was hopeful because she had found grace and then she also believed that God was going to continue to use her, but in her joy, in her hope, it spread to Naomi. Remember Naomi said, no longer call me Naomi, call me Mara for bitterness. But when we step out on grace, we step out on faith and find God's grace, we find joy and hope and that spreads to those around us. Don't try to hide what God is doing in your life. But with joy, let it be known what God is doing in your life and share what God is doing in your life. And Naomi's response of that was blessed. Notice, they say, so how do you know that Naomi's attitude changed? Because we look and we see that she says in verse 19, she says, 
uh, and her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. So she's blessing Boaz, or whoever it was. And then later on she says, And Naomi said unto her daughter, Blessed be he of the Lord. So now she's gone from being bitter to blessing people. And so this infectious hope, this infectious joy, even spread to Naomi. And when we do step out on faith, in faith in God, we find the grace that God has provided to the channel that he's provided for. And to be honest with you, the only response that we will have, or the proper response, and really the only response when we see God demonstrating grace in accordance to our faithfulness, is that we are blessed, and therefore we will have joy and happiness found in the Lord. When we identify how blessed we are, that leads to hope. When I realize just how good I've got it, when I count my blessings, when I say, listen, God has been good in this area, and in this area, and in this area over here, I've got so much to be thankful for, and because he's done this all along the way, I have hope for the rest of the day, and I have hope for tomorrow. Why do they have hope? Why can we have hope? Because of Boaz, yes. But remember that Boaz was God's channel of grace to Ruth and ultimately Naomi as well. And we have God's channel of grace when we step out on faith and when we find grace in Jesus Christ. If no other reason, we have grace that we have found in Jesus Christ. And remember that Boaz here is a picture, a type of Christ. See the comparison. See the similarities in this passage. And so therefore, I want you to see the reason that they had hope and the reason that we have hope or can have hope, ought to have hope, perhaps would be the better word. Number one, number one, the reason for hope, for Ruth and Naomi's reason of hope, I'm going to give you three reasons, and then I'm going to give you three reasons why we can have hope, but because... Ruth and Naomi could have hope because of who Boaz was. Boaz was a wealthy man. Boaz was a generous man. It's one thing to be wealthy. It's another thing to be wealthy and generous. It's one thing to be wealthy. It's one thing to be generous. It's certainly something else to be wealthy and generous. And Boaz was both. He also was a kind man. Now you say, well, that goes hand in hand with being generous. Well, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, but certainly he was kind as well. He was a loving man. He was a close relative. And so therefore, because of who Boaz was, suddenly, and, and because they had found grace in Boaz, suddenly there was hope to be had. Number two reason was not just because of who Boaz was. Now again, Boaz was an important person. Boaz was a significant individual in the community. He was a person of some prestige, some honor. But not just because of who he was, but because of what he did. Boaz, it had been one thing if he'd just been generous and here, let me help you out. And it had been one thing if he'd just been kind and showed some kindness. But also, or that's what his reputation was. But that's what he actually did. And he protected and he provided and he welcomed Ruth and Naomi for that matter. But he was welcoming to them. He was providing for them. So they were supplied and so they it was enough. It was plenty 
for them, as we saw here in this passage. She took until she was satisfied, and then she gave to Naomi, and Naomi was also satisfied. It was enough. Boaz protected her. Remember, he said, let, told his, his uh, servants to watch out for her, not to touch her. He said, stay with my women, the, the ladies in the field. I'll show you where to go, what to do, basically. You can come into the house when you need rest and get water and, and, and refresh yourself. Uh, he even invited her to the meal. He was kind, yes, but he was protective, and he was providing, and he was welcoming her into the house. But not just because of what Bo, who Boaz was or what Boaz did, but also they had hope because of what Boaz said. The words of Boaz revealed his love for Ruth. He had taken notice of her. Who's this woman? And he had already developed a love of her. And Boaz's words revealed his desire to make her happy. Notice what he says. When she says, uh, Naomi said unto Ruth, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ruth, the Moabite, said, "He said also, he said unto me also that thou shalt keep fast. So stay by my young men until they have ended my harvest." He was inviting her, welcoming her, and saying, "Hey, listen, I'm going to take care of you all the way through the end of the harvest." And and also the words that he had said earlier in the chapter, it was showing his love. For her, showing his desire to make her happy. The words of Boaz, stay in my field, close to my workers, provided, or proved rather, that he had future plans for Ruth. Oh, it wasn't just that day, but I'm going to take care of you in the, and tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. Oh, Ruth, I've got plans for you. I've got an interest in you. And so therefore there was reasons for hope because of who Boaz was, what Boaz did, and what Boaz said. Now we can say, well, it's one thing to say something, it's nothing to do something. He did both. He did both. And so therefore they had reasons for hope. So how does that equal our reasons for hope? Or how can we see our reasons for hope? Because Boaz is a picture of Christ, the Messiah. He's a picture of God's son. He's a type of Christ. And what I mean by that is, is our reason for hope under number one, the reasons for hope. Our reason for hope is because of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the son of God. That is significant. That is all we need. But because he's the son of God, he's also the Messiah. And I'll say it again. If the only thing that God, that Jesus Christ ever did for us was die for us to pay the price so that we no longer have, owe a debt of sin to God and we are brought back into fellowship with God and we can be adopted into the family by repenting of our sin and putting our faith in what Christ did on the cross, that would be enough. But that's who he was. And he did die on the cross. That's what he's done. He did die on the cross. But if, and, if that would, and that would be enough. But he also today intercedes for you and for me. The Bible tells us that, that he's ever interceding. In other words, he's the go-between between us and God. And when he goes and when, he, uh, when we sin or when we fall, when we fail, it is Jesus Christ that says, hey, uh, I'm going to enter. I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to step in between, and they. See, and God sees Jesus when He looks at us. He sees the righteousness of His Son that has been put on us. But not only that, but Jesus is the one that is praying for us to the Father. 
And so therefore, not only is the Son of God, not only is the Messiah, and because he's the Messiah, not only did he die on the cross, but he also intercedes on our behalf. But not only is that the reason for hope because of who he was and because of what he's done, or should I say because of who he is and because of what he's doing, but also because of what he has said in his word, the promises that he has given. We have hope because of who he is, because of what he's doing, but also because of what he has said, his promises. No matter how great our fear, no matter how large our trouble, we find that hope is available to us if we focus on the Lord. He has given us great and exceeding promises that can never fail. That is 2 Peter 1, 4. He has given us great and exceeding promises that will never fail. Oh, listen, can you just see what God has done for you? Can you understand what God has promised you? Now, you'll never understand those promises if you don't read and believe what he has said in his word, but it's all right here for us. And so therefore we can have hope because of Christ. They had hope because of what God did through the channel of grace that was Boaz. We can have hope because of what the channel of grace that is Jesus Christ. Both were provided by God. Both were used of God. Now Jesus Christ is God, but he served the purpose of God in dying on the cross. And so therefore, number one, we have reasons for hope. Number two, I want you to see the reality of our hope. This is not some kind of man-made hope we're talking about. You know, I hear all the time, I hope we get to go this. Or I, I hope we get to go do that. My kids will ask me if we can do something. I say, well, I, I hope we get to do that. I hope we have time. Or, hey, Daddy, uh, I, I hope that we can uh, do this or that. I hope that I did well on my test. I hope that my interview goes well. I hope that I have enough money to make it until next paycheck. Whatever it might be, there is a man-made hope, but that is not what we are talking about, not what Ruth was talking about and experiencing, not what we are talking about and what we can experience. It is not a man-made hope. Hope is can be a deceiver. Hope can be a shallow emotional feeling. If we're not careful, that's man-made hope. Now, that doesn't mean that God-made hope can't have feelings to it. Please don't misunderstand. But God-made hope or God-sent hope is never deceiving, is always faithful, is always sure, and is always true. And yes, I get excited. And yes, I want to pump my fist and I want to raise my hands and I want to praise God and sometimes tears come and sometimes laughter comes and sometimes I get cold chills. Now, I don't base my hope on tears or laughter or cold chills. That's man-made hope. That's what the world says. Oh, that's a good feeling right there. No, my hope is a sure thing and it's found in Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you this, it's not a deceiver and it's not shallow and it's not just generated by optimistic feelings, but it is a heaven-made and God-powered hope of which we are speaking. In the book of Ruth, it is a heaven-made and a God-powered hope. Hope is an inner sense of joyful assurance and confidence 
in God's promises. God gives promises in the word of God, and over and over and over again as we read, every one of God's promises either has come true, is coming true, or will come true. God showed has come true in the lives of those that were living in the time of the Bible, is coming true because God still saves through Jesus Christ today. God still walks with us today. God will still never leave us nor forsake us today. God still is interceding and intervening on our behalf today. And I'm telling you, God will do so because he has a reputation like Boaz had. God has a reputation of faithfulness and hope that was sure for yesterday and today, and therefore we can bank on tomorrow that God's promises will still come true. It is a gift to God's children through the Holy Spirit that he reminds us of his promises. He reminds us of his promises and faithfulness that is found in his word and in our lives that we experience and in the lives of others that we see or we read about or we hear about. Oh, it's all over the place and there is reason for hope and for joy that is a real, sure hope. It also was the hope in the law of the kinsman redeemer. And that's what we're going to hear about here when, Ru when Naomi said unto Ruth, her, or actually, she says in verse 20, she says uh, that blessed be of the Lord, he had not left off his kindness till living unto the dead. And Naomi said to her, the man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. In other words, that's where we get the concept of he was the kinsman redeemer, which goes back to the law of the kinsman redeemer that God had provided in the book of of Leviticus. In fact, if you want to look at Leviticus 25, 47 to 55, that explains the law of the kinsman redeemer. It was not just kindness and love that was shown that gave hope. It was the words of Boaz. And we have the words of God because Ruth could go back and she could read or she could be told by Naomi of the law of the kinsman redeemer. It was a principle of redemption that God had written in his word back in the law. As a near relative, Boaz could buy back the property that had belonged to, to Elimelech, Naomi's husband. And so therefore, because he was the near relative, he could buy back that property that, that Elimelech had mortgaged when he left to go to Moab. And Ruth and Naomi, they had no power to redeem it. They had no money to buy it back. They had no special privileges being widows and Naomi, or Ruth rather, being a foreigner. But Boaz buying it back meant, and that's what we're going to see later in this book, but that's what the kinsman redeemer is, he would buy back the property. And if he was going to do so, he also had to buy back Ruth. That was part of it. Uh, had the wife of the deceased went with the property. Now, so wasn't it the wife of Naomi? No, well, no, in this case it would be the, the wife of, uh, of Ruth's husband. 
And so therefore, the wife of the deceased, the Limelech's son, went with the property. And if Boaz redeemed the property, he must also marry Ruth and raise up children bearing the name of the deceased. That was Ruth's first husband's name. And so then the descendants could inherit. So then what happens is, is the descendants they have would then inherit that same inheritance that had been bought back, and it would stay in the family. That was the principle of the kinsman redeemer. The descendants would then inherit the property, the family name, the family possessions would continue to be theirs. Now that particular part of it was called the, the, the Le Leverit marriage. And that's found in Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 through 10. But they would take, in, in Jewish tradition, they merged those two. Now, when and how that took place is not entirely clear to historians. But we know that that was merged in the tradition of the Jews. And so, therefore, the kinsman redeemer buying back and keeping in the family and also this special uh, Levirate marriage was part, would be put together. And that was a custom in that day. And so, therefore, there was hope not just in the fact, not just in the fact of the kindness that was shown, but in the promises that were to come, and that Boaz had plans to re, to continue with Ruth, if you will. Now, having said all that, it hasn't happened yet. This is just what Naomi's telling Ruth about. And we can, and I'm telling you that God wants to use you and God has future plans for you. And God wants to use you today and he wants to use you tomorrow. He will take care of you. He'll provide for you. He will go with you. He will show kindness to you. He will welcome you. He will adopt you into the family as far as, and you will join in with his inheritance and share in the inheritance of the Lord. But here's the thing. You've got to accept it. You've got to embrace the grace that God provides, and Naomi gave some keys to see it through for Ruth to inviting God to work in our lives. And I want to give these to you. Number one, now this is all part of inviting God to work through you, but I gave you the, I, I gave you, I, I, excuse me, let me slow down one minute. Living by faith is number one. Number two is embracing God's grace. Number three is living in hope. But to see it through, there's some more steps. One is work the task that you where where you are or what you are given, be satisfied with where God has placed you. Be satisfied with where you're at. God has me here for a reason. God has you where you are for a reason. God has given you tasks. Find out what that is and don't argue with it. Don't debate it. Don't, and what I mean is don't be like, oh, I want something bigger, or I don't want to do that, or I want to do this. No, do what God has given you. Be faithful to what God has given you. But what I want you to see is this. Work the task that you are given. Work in the field where the master has you. That's what we told Ruth, her daughter-in-law, keep on working, Ruth. Keep on, Stay with those servants and keep on working with them. Work the fields. Don't go chasing where God hasn't placed you. Sometimes we say, well, I want something bigger. I want something more. I want something smaller. I want something less. Don't go chasing what God hasn't given you. But instead, be faithful to where you're at and what he has tasked you with. 
In fact, the Bible says to, to him who is faithful in the little will be given more, will be given much to be faithful over. Obey the commands of the master. He said, don't go out away from my field. Don't go out away from my servants. And Naomi's saying the same thing. So in verse 23, she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and of the wheat harvest. So therefore, she obeyed the commands of Boaz and, and of Naomi, and she was faithful to obey. We must be faithful to our master, our God in heaven, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then keep on laboring. She labored through the barley harvest. That was through March and April. She labored through the, the, the wheat harvest, which was June and July. And so for at least four months, she kept on just picking up food in the field. Oh, it wasn't easy. Oh, it wasn't some kind of big-time fancy job. It wasn't something that she was going to become famous for. And you and I need to just keep working where God has placed us. But then we're going to see what happens. And laboring in joy is what Ruth was doing because of the hope she had, because of the grace that she had found, because of the faithfulness that she had demonstrated. And you and I will find the same thing. When we step out on faith and when we embrace God's grace and when we live in hope, we'll find the joy and the wonderful hope an anticipation of what is to come, just as Ruth was anticipating what was to come in her life. Oh, my friends, oh, church, family, listen. Invite God by being faithful and stepping out in faith. Invite God to work in you and through you by accepting and embracing his grace and invite God to work through you. By having joy in where you're at and what is to come. By living in hope and in joy. Because God has got great plans for you. God has got great plans for me. He has made promises and he is faithful to keep his word. And until then, and as long as, and, and while he does, keep on keeping on. Keep working in the field. Be faithful to God. He will be faithful to you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see this message of keys to inviting you and God that you that I would invite you to work in my life. That God that I would invite you to work through me. God that I would invite you to allow me to be a part of what you are doing. Not trying to get you where I'm going, not trying to to, to navigate on my own, but by faith, stepping out on faith and looking for your grace and living in the hope that you know tomorrow, you hold tomorrow, and you hold me. Thank you for the faithfulness you've shown. Thank you for the grace that I have received. Thank you for the hope that you've given. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next time, my friends. Remember, I love you. More importantly, God loves you. Turn your eyes on him.
We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you. Till I cross.